there's an old parable about an old man, a boy, and a donkey who were going into town. And the boy uh, was riding on the donkey and the old man was walking and they crossed by a crowd of people. And one of the people in the crowd uh, remarked, man, alive, I can't believe uh, this boy is making the old man walk. Uh, and uh, you know that, that doesn't seem right. And so they heard the critics and they decided to change their positions. And so uh, then uh, the old man was riding and the boy was walking and they walked by another group of people. And I said, man alive, I can't believe that man with his strong legs would make this little boy walk. And they heard that criticism and they said, yeah, this isn't right. And so they decided that they would then just both get off the donkey and, and walk together. And they were walking along the way and they came around another crowd of people and uh, someone said, man, alive, I can't believe they have a perfectly good donkey and they're both walking. That seems really silly and, and stupid. And they said, you know what, they're right. They listened to the criticism and they decided to both ride the donkey. So they got on the donkey and they crossed by another crowd of people and uh, somebody in the crowd said, man, alive, look at the burden they're placing on that donkey uh, by both riding on the, on the donkey. And they decided, yeah, that's not right. And so they said, Let's, we'll, go, we'll both get off and we'll carry the donkey. And so they got off, they're carrying the donkey, uh, they're crossing a bridge, they lose their grip on the donkey, he falls into the river and he drowns. And the moral of the story is, if you try to please everyone, you might as well kiss your donkey uh, goodbye. So, um, right? And uh, today, today we are talking about the role of uh, people pleasing and uh, the, the role of uh, our desire, and almost everybody struggles with this desire on one level or another, our desire to make everybody around us happy. Uh, and you talk about chasing a carrot on a stick. <laughs> you can't do a series about chasing a carrot on a stick without talking about this issue, because I think in one way or another, it affects almost every person in this room. Unless you're one of those people that just truly doesn't care what anybody thinks, and you're just gonna do what you do, most of us struggle with this in one way or another. I wanna show you this quote. She said, if you're like me, people pleasing has run havoc in your life. It has crushed your spirit repeatedly. It has robbed you of peace of mind, personal empowerment, and the courage to follow your goals and dreams. It has hit you while you're down and dragged you through the dirt. It might have also contributed to chronic issues in your life, such as anxiety disorders, depression, addiction, or codependency. And that's really the seriousness of the topic we're talking about today, is some of you know the crippling nature of people-pleasing of trying to make everybody happy. It is an unrelenting desire. It is unsatisfied. Uh, you're never going to make everybody happy and it leads to few places that are good. Uh, I recently read about some of the signs that you might be a people pleaser and, and among them, the most obvious one is you struggle to say no, right? Which, which makes sense that you can't say no to anybody. Any request that comes your way, you typically say yes because you wanna please people. You find it hard to be assertive and voice your opinions, right? You never care where the group goes to lunch. You never care where the group goes to dinner. You, you don't wanna be assertive and voice your opinions because someone might disagree. You're excessively altruistic, right? If, if that can be a thing. You're excessively uh, giving of your time, your money, that, that there's a certain level of that that is appropriate to be kind and generous and compassionate, but you almost go over the top using your altruism as a way of pleasing people. You sometimes suffer at the expense of doing favors for others. 
So even when it might maybe compromises your relationship or it compromises your family or, or something like that, you will say yes, even at the expense of you and, and the people around you because you, you want the approval of others. Uh, you're addicted to it. You're addicted to the approval of others that when you go on social media, you really can't get uh, enough. You, you feel shattered sometimes for days or weeks when someone criticizes you. That's what makes this list so awful to you. <laughs> it feels like you're criticizing me, right? No, no, we're, this is a me too thing. We're, we're, we're all in this together. So, but you feel shattered when someone criticizes you. Um, you you uh, blindly believe in other people's goodness, uh, even if they're clearly abusive toward you. Right, And so th those are just a few of the ways that, that you maybe struggle with people-pleasing. And, and like I said earlier, it is unrelenting. And the ironic thing is that we do it out of a fear of anxiety, but people-pleasing actually leads to more anxiety. Uh, we do it out of a fear of rejection, but people-pleasing leads to more rejection. We do it to feel filled, but we never actually feel filled. And, and so the Bible will talk about moving us away from people-pleasing and the approval of others to living, living for them, it'll move us away from that to living for the approval of God. Now, I wanna pause here for a minute because I think it's super important, right, for all of us that are kind of codependents and want the approval of others, I think it's very important that we talk about what I mean by the approval, approval of God. That when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, when you come into a relationship with him, the Bible is super clear on this. Through faith in Christ, you are approved, right? You don't have to continually earn it. You don't have to continually come back for it. Through faith in Christ Jesus, God says, I approve of you. So those of you that are approval junkies, right? I want you to allow that to set in for, with you just for a minute, that through faith, you are approved by God. But the Bible also says that the same faith that drives us to Jesus and through faith we are approved, that same faith will create in us a desire to please God, right? And so both of those things are true. We are absolutely approved through faith, but that same faith creates in me a desire. As I grow close to Jesus, I want to please him. Uh, I, I want him to approve of what I'm doing. I, I want him to find joy in what I'm doing. Think about your children and your grandkids for a minute. Your kids are your kids no matter what. And our, the kids' household had a rough morning this morning, so I'm speaking truth right now. They are our kids no matter what, right? They are our children. But boy, I sure like it when my kids do stuff that makes me happy. When uh, this morning they get dressed in an appropriate manner of time. I'm using you as my counselor just for a minute, right? Uh, right? When, when they behave, when they serve, when they pick up, when they use uh, their manners, right? There are things that my children do that please me, but they are my children no matter what, right? They don't have to please me to be my children, right? And the same thing is true with God, that we are his kids through faith, but he sure likes it when we please him. And he sure likes it when we're faithful. And he, he sure likes it when we take steps in that direction. So that, I wanted to get that kind of, that, that you are approved through faith. But today we're talking about those of us that are followers of Jesus, we're talking about living for God's approval and not for the approval of others. And I want to show you three texts today, three stories in the Bible about how different, you're, we're just going to see how different people managed it. This sermon's going to, if you'll walk with me, we're going to meander together a little bit. Um, and uh, we're just going to look at these three texts on how different people in the scriptures handled this issue. And here's text number one from the life of the early church. 
kind of a long text, but it's the longest one in the sermon today. So we'll uh, read through it together. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priests and the associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent uh, to the jail for the apostles. Uh-oh. But, but on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there, so they went back and reported. We found the jail securely locked. The guards were standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing the report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, The men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, I love this, we must obey God. We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that we might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him, Acts chapter five. So in this story, when it comes to pleasing God rather than pleasing men, we see the importance of speaking truth. The importance of speaking truth. This is a tough situation for a people pleaser to be in. And thankfully, uh, you would never exactly accuse Peter and the apostles of being people pleasers, right? But this is a tough situation. If you are a people pleaser here today and you put yourself in Peter's position, this is a tough position to be in. We told you not to do this. We told you not to do this. And now you're out doing it Anyway, you have to stop. We're going to imprison you. And I love what the angel said at the very beginning of the story. Go and tell the people about this new life, this new life in Jesus that is available to them. And that is what is at stake in this story. Am I going to please these governmental authorities or am I going to please God and speak the truth? And that's a tough one. Who am I going to please? Am I going to please the governmental authorities or am I going to please God and speak the truth that life is available to these people, but it's not going to be found in what they're currently doing? Am I going to speak the truth to the people of Jerusalem that grace is available to them, that hope is available to them, that they don't have to live the way that they've been living anymore, that through Jesus they can find new life, they can find grace, they can find joy, they can find peace, and, 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 the, and Peter's kind of quote to the authorities, I think is where I want us to land today. We are going to obey God rather than men, and we're going to speak the truth. And listen, in your situation, it may not be this serious, but choosing to please uh, people, uh, cho- choosing to please people and, and tell them what they want to hear, we often miss the, the opportunity when we are people pleasers, 
we often miss the opportunity to speak truth to them, to speak life to them, to speak grace to them, to speak power into their situation. And people pleasing by nature leads us often away from speaking the truth. And it leads us toward telling them what they wanna hear. And that, that's difficult because we are called to be truth tellers. I, I love uh, how the scriptures describe Jesus. The scriptures say about Jesus that he came in grace and truth. That there was something about Jesus that he could come to people and he could speak the truth to them, but he spoke it in complete grace and in complete love. And I want to be more like Jesus in this regard. I find that uh, people tend to fall into one of two extremes. They, they tend to be like all grace, which I think leads to people pleasing if we're not careful. That man, I just want everyone to love me. I want everyone to care. I don't want to hurt anybody's feeling. And so grace will sometimes lead us to people pleasing. And then there's the other side of the equation where they're all truth. And all truth people can sometimes be unkind. That I just speak the truth and I don't care how it lands with you. I don't care what it looks like for you. I'm gonna speak the truth to you in any way that I see fit. And neither of those extremes are, are, are really good. Grace and truth, when they are combined, that is when we are like Jesus. To say, man, I feel like I need to please God and speak some truth to you, but I'm gonna speak it in a loving way. I'm gonna speak it in a kind way. I'm gonna speak it in a Christ-like way. And when we do that well, when we find a way to do that well, to say, man, I'm gonna speak the truth, but I'm gonna speak it in love, that is when we are most like Jesus. When uh, Cheryl and I were first married, her sister gave me a gift that's still in my office almost uh, 16 years later. And there's a message, uh, uh, pictures of, of Cheryl and me kind of surround this little statement in the, men, in the middle and it says, my wife, a woman of uncommon beauty, a fiercely loyal friend, and a compassionate critic. And I think that is a good way for all of us to live. Compassionate critic. That when we're gonna speak the truth, we're gonna do it in a compassionate way. When we're gonna speak the truth, that sometimes you gotta look someone in the eye and say, man, I love you, I care about you, but I, I gotta say something to you. And, and your tone and how you speak it, to speak it in grace is the greatest thing you can do. And it's when you're the most like Jesus in a lot of ways. It is that, man, just, just living in, in grace in a lot of ways, that, that maybe is a little bit easier for some. It's when you bring in the truth into your grace story that it becomes challenging to say, man, I'm not gonna beat you up with this. I'm not gonna use grace as a, as a baseball bat and bonk you on the head. I'm gonna speak it in love. I'm gonna speak it in kindness. I'm gonna speak it with compassion. I do have some criticism, but I'm gonna do it in a graceful way. Right? And, and people pleasing will lead us away from that. Pleasing God will lead us toward it. Let's say, man, God cares about the truth. He cares about the truth. This culture, if I can kind of drop a little bit of truth here just for a minute, in grace, I hope, this culture doesn't care as much about the truth. God does care about the truth. But as Christians, we have a great opportunity right now to say we're gonna speak it, but we're gonna speak it in love, and we're gonna speak it in kindness, we're gonna speak it with grace. Story number two. This comes from the book of Galatians, and if you were here all summer long, uh, you know that we spent about 12 weeks in the book of Galatians together, and uh, this goes all the way back to chapter one, but if you remember in that story, some false teachers had come to the Christians uh, of Galatia and were telling them that the work of Jesus was not enough for them, 
that they needed to be circumcised, they needed to follow the law, that grace was not enough. And Paul came in hot into the situation. Paul was ticked off and he preached against that. He he said, no, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is enough for our salvation. It is enough for our life. It is enough for everything. And Paul came in and he preached Jesus, trust in him. But it made him an enemy to these false teachers. And they attacked Paul's credentials. They attacked his very life. And in Galatians 1, 10 through 12, he says this, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do, I, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. And for Paul, what was at stake here and what he's gonna teach us in this text is the importance of serving Jesus. The importance of serving Jesus. This word bondservant is an interesting word. It describes a time where someone's will and desire is consumed in another person's will and desire. So sometimes I'll start horse playing with my eight-year-old and we'll be kind of goofing around, wrestling around a little bit and I'll want him to remember who dad is, right? And so I will scoop him up in a bear hug and his will and his desire is consumed in that moment by my will and my desire and I am in complete control of him, right? He would never admit that, but I'm telling you it's the truth, right? His will has been consumed by my will and Paul came to this spot where he said, man, my will and my desire and my life has been consumed in the will and desire of Jesus. So he says, I can't go along with these false teachers. If I were a people pleaser, I'd go along with them just to get along, go along, get along, you know, whatever that phrase is. He said, I I can't do that. He said, I am a servant of Jesus. My will, desire, and life has been consumed into his. So I must please Christ. And people pleasing will sometimes put you in this position where you're sitting at lunch with a group of people, said, man, the whole lunch table agrees on this issue. Or a memo goes out at your company, the whole company agrees on this issue. Or they pulled the culture, and everybody thinks this is what is right. But you know Jesus teaches something different. And Jesus teaches a better way. And in that moment, you are put in a difficult spot. I think it's really difficult, because I'm a people pleaser through and through. It's difficult. Will you please men or will you please Christ? Will you serve men or will you serve Christ? And Paul said in that moment, he just chose, I'm, I'm, I'm so blown away by this because it's so hard to do. He said in that moment, even though the lunch table agrees, even though the culture agrees, even though the office agrees, in that moment, I'm gonna serve Christ. And listen, it's hard. There have been a, a whole cloud of witnesses before you who have been put in that exact position Whole culture agrees, whole table agrees, whole company agrees, whole cloud of witnesses before you who in that moment have said, I choose God, I choose Christ. Listen, one of them ended up in a lion's den because of that choice. Another one of them faced a giant because of that choice. Many were persecuted. One went to the cross. And you know what happened in that moment? In the moment that they chose Christ, what happened was God showed up in their situation. And they, and in some cases, their kids and their grandkids had a remarkable story to tell for the generations. But here's the deal. You know how your family gets to tell a story about God closing the mouth of the lion? You know how that story gets to be told? You have to go to a lion's den. You know how your family gets to tell the story of you defeating a giant? There's only one way your family gets to tell that story. You have to go into the arena and face the giant. 
You know how your family gets to tell a story about your faithfulness? You have to face hardship. And people pleasing will lead us away from those big moments. To say, no, I just want to get along. I don't want to make waves. I just want to go along with culture. And when you are faithful, when you choose Christ, you get to see God work in a miraculous way. You get to experience God in a powerful way. And you get to make his name great. And that's not a terrible life to live at all. A, a day, a, a life spent making his, great, his name even greater than it is. And I think we have sometimes, in my humble opinion, we have sometimes done a disservice to the faith by making it sound easy. And it is not. Pleasing God rather than men is not easy. It is not easy. But God is faithful, and he is with you, and you are not alone, and his resurrection, is power, his resurrection power is enough. And listen, in my opinion, serving Christ is the greatest honor of our lives. When you think about his glory, when you think about his holiness, when you think about how wonderful he is, that he is king of kings and lord of lords, his perfection, his grace, we get to serve him. Let's do it well. And pleasing people will lead us away from that. It will. But pleasing God and saying, I am his servant. I am his bond servant. Pleasing God will lead us to these moments of great tension. But in that moment of great tension, we will see God show up. We will see him show up in a miraculous way, a powerful way, and we will have spent our lives making his name great. And that's a great way to live. One more story. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said, because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Isaiah said this, because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet, at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. And we see in this story the importance of great gain. The importance of great gain. This is a really interesting story. These were leaders that saw Jesus perform miracles they heard Jesus teach. In many ways, they saw his glory, they saw his majesty, and they couldn't bring themselves to truly believe. They couldn't bring themselves to truly follow Jesus. Why? The Bible tells us they loved human praise uh, more than the praise of God. And, and here, the, this text even gets more specific, that they didn't want to be put out of the synagogue. The synagogue was the epicenter of every community. Every community had a synagogue, and it was the epicenter of faith, and they were worried that if they expressed faith, and this for sure would have happened, that if they expressed faith in Jesus, they'd be thrown out of the synagogue which was the epicenter of their faith. They'd be thrown out and not allowed to come there anymore, and they were worried about losing that. What they didn't understand was that Jesus had something greater in store than the synagogue. 
that Jesus was at this time setting up a system where God would reside in the hearts and minds of every believer. So you wouldn't have to go to the synagogue, you wouldn't have to go to the temple to experience God. Every person could experience God every day and they thought they were gonna lose something really, really big, but God had something even better in store, something that was even more valuable than the synagogue. So I wanna talk to you for a few minutes, if you'll allow me, about what you gain, what you gain by following Jesus. Right, because they thought they were gonna lose something. So I wanna just kind of remind you of what you gain by following Jesus. I think you gain purpose. When you decide to follow Jesus, I think you gain purpose. That, that in my humble opinion, when you were created, and the Bible backs this up, when you were created, I believe God placed inside of you a desire for worship, a desire to worship, uh, follow, and know Jesus. And I don't believe life's gonna make a bit of sense until we come into that calling that we understand we were created for worship and worshiping Jesus is the greatest thing we can do. So you gain purpose. I think you gain joy, hope, and peace. I can't wait for this Sunday school class that's coming around where we're gonna talk about some of these Advent ideas. That when you express your faith in Jesus and you give your life to him in a very real way, the greatest gifts you receive are, are unbreakable joy, unstoppable hope, and uncontainable peace. That, that, that Jesus brings these things to us, you gain those things. I think we gain eternal life. That this life in Jesus that we're living right now, this life in Jesus continues on for all of eternity. That there's an eternal life that has been promised to you and me where there is no more death or mourning or crying or pain. We gain eternal life. I think we gain power. That endurance can be hard. Following Jesus can be hard, but the Bible tells us the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is available to you and me. And so when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we gain the power to live the life he has called us to live, to live the life he has equipped us to live, and that is amazing. But most of all, you know what you gain when you give your life to Jesus? You gain Jesus. You gain Jesus. You gain a relationship, like I said earlier, that I believe you were created to have. We gain so much. But I'd be unfair and, uh, and, and not, a, not a true preacher if I didn't communicate to you that when you give your life to Jesus, there are some losses that come. There, there's a lot of gains, but there are some losses when you decide to follow Jesus. There can be a loss of human praise that people in your, in your family may be disappointed that you decided to follow Jesus, right? And so there can be a loss of human praise. Your coworkers might be disappointed. Your friends that you used to hang out with all the time might be disappointed. There can be a loss of human praise when you decide to follow Jesus. There can be a loss of comfort when you decide to follow Jesus. Jesus sometimes calls us out of the boat in order to walk on the water. But we think about walking on the water, getting out of a perfectly good boat is a hard sell, right? And so exiting the boat into the water is uncomfortable sometimes. So there can be a loss of comfort. There can be other losses that, that come from making Jesus a priority. When your boss doesn't like it, when your family doesn't like it, when your friends don't like it. Uh, um, and in that moment, we're faced with a, with a tough question. And, and um, Whose approval do you desire more? I don't want to sit up here like a fool and act like this is easy. Right? Obviously, we want to choose Christ. That's, Christ is the right answer. But it's not easy. Who are we going to, whose approval do we desire more? Theirs or God? Are the gains going to be better? Or are the losses? 
And if you have ever felt this way before, when you're evaluating what you gain, gain, you know, I think the gains far outweigh the losses, but if you've ever been in this position, man, I've got all these gains by deciding to follow Jesus, but I'd be, an, un, I'd be untruthful if I didn't say, I'm gonna experience some loss. My parents are gonna walk away from me, or my boss is gonna maybe let me go, or there's gonna be some losses as you're evaluating that. I want you to know that there's someone in the Bible that knows exactly what you're experiencing. And that person is the Apostle Paul. The, the Apostle Paul is, a, is someone who came to faith in Jesus and he had all of these gains that we just talked about, all of these gains, but he said, man, there were some losses that came my way as the result of my decision to follow Jesus. And I wanna show you, I'm just gonna read this verbatim. I just wanna show you what he said about this and hopefully his words will inspire you if you are feeling this tension today about, man, I wanna live for the approval of God. I don't wanna live for the approval of men, but there's gonna be some losses involved here. I know there's gains, Steve, that's, you're, preach that to us every week. I know there's gains, but there's going to be some losses. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus from uh, Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. That's Paul, and it ain't bad. That's not bad. I want to gain Christ and everything else becomes garbage. Another translation, rubbish. Another translation, I can't even say in church. (laughs) I can't. You'd fire me. I thought that opening story was going to get me some eyebrows. You guys have a good sense of humor. Thank you. But, But yeah. I can't even tell you what one of the, what are the translations of that word is. I consider everything to be garbage, that I might gain Christ. So my desire, Paul said, is for Christ. It is his approval, his ways, I follow him. And listen, approval of man, it is a carrot on a stick that you can give your whole life to. You can, it is a carrot on a stick that you'll chomp after and you'll think you'll have everybody pleased and then all of a sudden you'll go to Facebook and you realize that not everybody's pleased. Not everybody's happy. That culture is like a wind and you can spend your life shaking, chasing after that wind, but it is hard and difficult to capture. And my prayer for us is that we would come to this place where our desire is for Christ. And we wouldn't be jerks, truth with love. We wouldn't be jerks. We wouldn't be mean-spirited. We wouldn't be judgmental, but that we would serve Christ we would serve his truth, we would speak his truth, and that we would come to this place of man. As culture shifts, and 10 years ago, things were acceptable that are not acceptable now, and it's it's shifting all the time, that we would find this peace that comes from finding our approval in God, because he is unchanging. And that we would find this peace and this joy and this hope in Christ as everything else falls away, and our chief priority is to please him. 
Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. And we do want to please him. We're entering into this time of our service right now where we're going to receive communion. And it is a reminder that we are approved by you through faith. But man, the same faith inspires us to want to please you, to serve you, to make you happy because we love you. And so as we celebrate our ultimate approval in you through the blood of your son, Jesus, may we also be inspired to leave this place and say, man, I'm not living for the approval of this world anymore. It's too changing. I want to live for your approval, God. I want to make decisions your way. I want to speak your truth because it's unchanging. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Help us to do it. It is hard. Requires great courage but it's worth it to see you show up. May we be faithful. May we walk in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.